0: We've been looking at parables for the last, uh, what, three months, maybe, maybe a little more, um, since the beginning of the year, really, haven't we, and we've learned so many great things, and we saw parables, um, they're, they're exciting, they, 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 they always have a story that we can relate to, and but there's this little twist at the end, isn't there, and we saw a couple of those little twists, and so we've seen parables talk about faithfulness and rewards, uh, but At the end of some of them is this twist and I read about judgment and somebody being cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and being burned up. And so far for the last three months, we've managed to avoid all those verses. We've been very, very diligent, haven't we, Andrew? We stay away from these like crazy because no one really wants to hear a sermon about being burned up. Did you know the Bible is sharing with us in these parables? That you can actually belong to a church community and not be saved. The parables actually show us that there are people that would join a church, and they love coming along to the community. Oh, I love the tea and the coffee, and oh, Jane makes excellent cakes afterwards that I so enjoy, and I love chatting to you and you. And do you know what? The words and the music, oh, they're beautiful, but I don't actually know Jesus. And the parable I'm referring to is the parable of the tares in in the field, and both the, the, uh, the parable goes that there's a field, and in that is sown good seed, a harvest, and wheat is growing. But at the same time, an enemy comes in and sows tares in that field. And it says these words, at the end of the age, the angels will come and harvest that, and will separate the good from the bad and throw the tares into the field that were in the field to be burnt. Implying that those who are just associated with community and with church could actually lose their lives and be burned. Another parable was a dragnet, like a fisherman throws his net into the sea and he casts lots of things. Everything comes in. And again, at the end of the age, the angels come and sift and say, good, bad, good, bad. And the, the bad is thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Could it be that we know people in churches, maybe even in our church, that they come in week after week and they so enjoy being with us but they actually haven't got a relationship with Jesus. These parables, I know this is going to make you mad, but it actually shows that it's not always one saved, forever saved. You can actually lose your salvation. Well, Wayne, I'm not so sure about Well, Let me give you some scriptures. Two men will be walking the field, one will be taken, one will be left behind. Two women will be grinding at the handmill, one will be taken, one will be left behind. Those are people doing community together. Those are people who know each other. People you know their names of. Look at this verse here. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica says, Let no one deceive you by any means that for that day will not come unless these are falling away that comes first. Paul wouldn't remind us and tell us and warn us about a falling away if it was not possible for a Christian to lose their salvation. Well, when we'll I need some more evidence, okay? A royal wedding parable told in Matthew 22. This guy gets into the heavenly wedding feast and the master comes to him and says, "Hey friend, where is your robe of righteousness?" And he didn't have one. And he got cast out of the wedding into outer darkness. There were these weeping and gnashing of teeth. I didn't write this. I'll give you another one. Gordon preached on this. And he was telling this incredible story about the minas and the talents. And how the master knew his friends. And he said, hey, I'm giving you ten minas or ten um, things of money and I'm giving you five and they went and they dealt wisely and they did business and they made another ten or another five and the master said well done good and faithful servant but we also heard about the one guy who hid his Lord's money listen friend I want to tell you the Lord knew you don't trust your money to a total stranger he knew his name was Frank and he said Frank I'm giving you one I expect you to do and work with this one and Frank lied he said I knew you to be a hard man He lied. He says, you you reap where you didn't sow. He lied. He didn't have any relationship with him. And you know what the Bible says? Oh, we left this out. It says he cut him in two and he threw him out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Last week, I was talking to us about the vine and the branches and I managed to miss the dangerous verse. Did you all miss it? You all missed it with me and we were talking about I am the vine and you are the branches. Oh, hallelujah. And, I, and we got so excited about him lifting us up. When you're feeling downtrodden, when, you, when life's giving you uh, eggs, you can be lifted up. He wants to lift you up. He doesn't want to cut you off and throw you away. He wants to bless you. But then he cleans us with the word we saw. He, he puts pesticides on, gets all rid of the, the dry rot or any other rot that there is. And, and he nurtures us. Why? So that we can grow and bear more fruit. But there's a verse here I've highlighted. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch, and he's withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Jeff? (laughs) 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 This branch at one stage, was hooked to the vine. It was connected. For it to be able to grow this much meant sap was flowing. But this branch refused to be purged and cleaned by the Word, refused to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, so it got dry. And if you go up to a tree and you shake it, it's the dead branches that fall out. And now this branch is dry. I'll put them there. It was once connected to the vine. I don't care which way you look at it and cut it. There's no such thing as once saved, forever saved. Now that I've got you all mad with me, I'd like to tell you a little story. I'll cheer things up a bit. I was very blessed last month. My son Andrew, he married his, the love of his life, her name is Anna, and I was enraptured in their wedding process. A year earlier, they met, they got engaged, and Claire and I, we were, the, man, Andrew loved us so dearly, but then he met Anna, and we never heard of Andrew again. We texted him, he wouldn't reply. He, he, had, he was obsessed with this beautiful girl called Anna. And they got to know each other. They went out on dates together. They actually came to our house so she could meet me uh, and Claire as well. And and, and Andrew went to her parents to meet the the, the in-laws. And I know they're listening, so hi, uh, Liz, and hi, Steve. Uh, Guys doing well. Uh, They got to know each other. Then we all got summons to the wedding. We went up to the Tithe Barn, and we spent a week there. And you're not going to believe it. A couple of days before the wedding, Andrew and Anna called the entire wedding party. They gave us a document five pages thick of instructions. You're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and at 7 o'clock you go there. I'm not lying, every single minute was accounted for. We all had jobs. This wedding was planned to perfection. The bride had missed nothing. Even on the wedding day, I was up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I grabbed Andrew. We shot off to the wedding venue. We put up flowers with Claire, and we made sure the florist was there, and the the DJ was there, and everyone was there, and we we checked everything was happening. Then we quickly came back. We got our suits on. We got dressed, and then we got tidied up, and they fixed us. The night before, till late, We hours, they were adjusting the suits, the the length of your pants because they were too long and our our collars weren't right and our shirts weren't right. There was perfection. And then came the glorious day and the final moment as we watched the bride walk down the aisle and there's my son... Blubbering, <laughs> so you're so happy, you're so in love. Tears were flowing, the best man was crying, the bride starts crying, and everything like and We worshiped the Lord together, and we had the most incredible wedding that we've ever had. Then we partied, we partied, we had so much fun. I tell you, the DJ was amazing. I gotta recommend this guy, uh, Joshy B. He was uh, incredible. And we had so much fun, and then we let them all go. We were so happy when they left, when they went on honeymoon, mom and dad could sleep. Finally, what reminds me of a story in the Bible, another wedding, let me just tell you about the Jewish tradition. First of all, a marriage contract was signed between the bride's parents and the groom's parents, and the dowry was paid and given over, and that started the betrothal or the engagement period. Well, for the church of Jesus Christ, we're the bride of Christ. The diary that has been paid was the blood of Jesus given to the Father. We are now engaged to be married to Jesus. Now, the, bride, uh, the bridegroom in the Jewish tradition, he, accompanied with some male friends, he would leave his house at about midnight, and he'd go down the road making a parade with torches and making quite a, a noise, and the bride would be waiting and ready, waiting for him, and she'd see him coming, and she'd say, he's coming, he's coming, coming, and they'd all get ready. They would then join in the process, in the procession, and they'd join the groom, they'd turn around, and they'd all go back to the groom's house, where they would then have their wedding feast, which would last several days. Uh, three or four days, at least, like we read in the book of Can- uh, in the story of Jesus at the wedding in Cana, Galilee. And we believe that sim- signifies Jesus coming back for His church and rapture- rapturing us and taking us away. Now, the story that I want to like to tell you is about ten bridesmaids. It's recorded in Matthew 25, and you're welcome to read it there and there, but I'm going to leave it over here. Please go and read it back at home, some homework for you. We see, the story goes about ten bridesmaids. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. The five wise ones had their oil in their lamps, but they took extra jars of oil with them. The foolish ones, they only took their lamps with them and they had no extra oil whatsoever. And the, the groom was delayed coming because they didn't know when he was going to come. And finally when he was coming and they heard him, the shout came out, he's coming. They all got up and they were fast asleep at that time. So they woke up and they started to trim their lamps and everything. And the wise ones had extra oil so their lamps started shining brightly again. And they went in with the groom to the wedding feast. But the foolish one said, oh, give us some oil, please. We need some light as well. And they said, give it. no, 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 we can't give you out. Because then we won't have enough. Go and buy some for yourselves. And so off they went to go and get extra oil. And while they were away, the bridegroom came and went into the wedding, wedding feast. And they came knocking on the door and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. We want to come in. And he says, depart from me. I don't know you. And my goodness, the story of these ten bridesmaids is really quite uh, challenging and, and, and It's got a lot of. And listen, if you want to disagree with me, please, by all means, because I know great theologians who can't agree on this story. So I'm going to give you my uh, sequence of events or what I believe the Holy Spirit has shown me. Very interesting. Virgins represent those who are separated. There is an implied purity about them, isn't there? The light what's the light represent? The light would represent a man's heart, out of the abundance of the heart, so the mouth speaks. The light would be represent our witness for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, let your lights shine. Don't hide them. You should be like on a hill. You should be shining bright. You should be on a lampstand and shining, doesn't it? That's what the light is. But the oil, the oil always represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit, always. And it's the oil that makes things work. You know that in a motor car, you have to put oil into your engine. If you don't have any oil in the engine, then the the, the crankshaft won't work and the pistons won't go up and down properly and it's not going to work. You need oil. So oil is representative of the anointing that makes the kingdom work. You can try and prophesy on your own and talk in tongues on your own, but you need some oil. You need some anointing to be able to do that properly. You need the oil. It's out of the, the, the oil that saturates the wick of the heart that will cause the light to shine. That's what the oil represents. The wise ones, they had extra oil. Yes, they were asleep. How many Christians do we know that are docile, a little bit sleepy? But, yes, the good news, when the cry came out, when the, 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 the shout was, the bridegroom comes, they got up and they were able to trim their wicks and their lamps and they were shining bright again and they went in. But the foolish ones, they, didn't, they weren't ready. They did not enter into the wedding feast. I believe there are three, three groups of people in the story. Three groups. You haven't heard this one before. You thought there's two. There's three. Read the story again. The Bible says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. You need to know that God's passion is burning inside me for you, Paul says. Because like a loving father, I have pledged your hand in marriage to Christ, your true bridegroom. I promised that you would be represented as his fiancée to him, a pure virgin bride. Pure virgin bride. Ladies and gentlemen, we are, the church is, the bride of Christ. We are the ones that we're actually frantically preparing. I tell you, I've sat in a wedding. The bride does not sleep when she's getting married. No one sleeps around her why she's frantic she's doing this she's doing that she's doing all over the bride was the one i believed had was actually shouting he's coming she was the one watching the whole time where's my husband when's he coming she was the one who was so frantically busy doing things getting everything right her garments were clear and white and pure the bible says then we have the second group which are the wise virgins and then we have the third group well the foolish ones Could the foolish ones have been people that once upon a time had oil, but they have now come dry? The oil is gone, so their wicks are hard and dry, and they're just cracking and breaking. The Bible doesn't ever say that we are bridesmaids. We're the real deal. We're the bride of Christ. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Point number one, not everyone's going to get to heaven. Point number two, we are the bride of Christ and there's a wedding. Point number three, it's harvest time. There's a resurrection coming. Each year, a farmer has a certain crop in mind, so he plants appropriate seeds. Later, seeds spring up and a crop comes forth. The farmer harvests that crop when it's ready, doesn't he? Law of seed time and harvest. We read that the father is the the gardener. Jesus is the vine. and We are the branches. The father wants a harvest. And you're it. He wants a harvest. Listen, look at this verse here. It says, Matthew thirteen thirty nine. The enemy sowed them the tears into the field at the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. There is a harvest time coming. I want to shout it out. Get ready. Jesus is coming back he's coming back. I want to put these three points together because at the moment it looks like I'm very disjointed. I've got, not everyone gets to heaven. I've got a bride story going on and now I've got a harvest story going on. You see this harvest, Christians generally call it a rapture. The word rapture does not exist in the Bible. The word is actually called a catching away or a resurrection or a meeting in the air. And we've given it a name called rapture. Traditionally, we've always thought of a harvest as one harvest with one catching away. But scripture would like to show us something totally different. Actually, what I want to show you this morning is that the harvest season actually exists in three separate phases. If you were a Jewish boy, you were 20 years or over, you would have have to attend three Jewish feasts every single year. These are prophetic of things to come. The first feast that you have to attend is Peshach. Peshach is the Passover. The Passover feast is made up of three sub-feasts, which is going to be the the feast of unleavened bread and also the feast of first fruits. Now, this coincides with the barley harvest. So here I have with me some barley. You're all amazed that I found some. I found some barley. Just use your faith and believe, and this will be barley. Okay, this is actually a grass that I cut out of the garden, okay, in the field. So we're going to pretend for a moment that this is first fruits, this is our barley harvest. Some very interesting things about barley. You see, this was actually that always would, the first harvest that happened around Passover time. Who died at Passover? And he was raised to get from the dead three days later, which happens to coincide with first fruits. Very interesting that. Now when you harvest barley, something very interesting, barley itself is very soft, very, very soft. So what they do is they just toss it up in the air like this and the wind comes along and blows the chaff away and the body falls to the ground. It's called winnowing. If you weren't a farmer, you're going to be one now. The second harvest, the second feast that the Jewish lads had to celebrate was Shavuot. Shavuot was the feast um, of weeks, also called Pentecost. And this harvest and this feast always took exactly 50 days after the Passover feast took place. Now this feast always represented two loaves of bread. And I have these here as well. Now remember the barley? I didn't show you, but here barley was always the unleavened bread. Someone had a bit of a bite out of my bread this morning. Um, It's unleavened bread, no yeast in it. But the second one, the Pentecost, was a normal loaf with yeast in it. And I'll explain to you why in a second. This Pentecost feast always fell part of the harvest of wheat. Now wheat, you may know, is very, very, very hard. It's got a hard outer crust on it. So what they do here, this is called a, in the Latin word a tribulum, and the tribulum was a board that was three and a half foot wide by about five foot long. And embedded into the wood was stones, actual rocks and stone embedded in the the wood. They would la- then lay the wheat out on a in a field, and they would get on top of the tribulum, and they would stand, hook it up to some oxen, and walk around. And the, the pressure from the weight of the tribulum and the person would then crush and break the outer husk of the wheat, exposing the inner core that is desirable to making bread. Very interesting. Just put, park that there for a second. The third harvest, I hope I get this right, caught. Sk- We'll just stick with the, interest, the, the English words, okay? Skukot, which is the grape harvest. And I have some lovely fresh grape right here for us. Now, the grape harvest, you can't, you can't throw in the air and hope the wine comes out, can you? You can't do that. So what they do in Bible days, what they would do there to harvest grapes... They would bring them in out of the field, and they would put them in that pit area, and then they would add a little bit of chow juice, or chow jam, as they call it, into the mix and tread on it, and they'd mush it all up. And so grapes are always pressed, pressed. And you say, Wayne, what has this all got to do with anything? There were three feasts, three separate harvests. At the end of the age, these are harvests coming. The one harvest that the Bible talks about is made up of a barley harvest, a wheat harvest, and a grape harvest. Now, I want to explain these to you in a little bit more detail. Before you go further, I need a little bit of scripture to prove this. I thought you would say that, so I've got one out for you. Have you ever read in Romans 9, it says, a remnant will be saved. And then Paul, just two chapters later, says, and all Israel will be saved. Hang on, Paul, make up your mind. Is a remnant getting saved or all Israel getting saved? I'm not sure. Is it a remnant or is it all? Well, let me explain to you. First of all, a remnant would be the barley harvest, which is the first fruits. The first fruits is a little harvest that signifies in saying thank you for the large harvest that is coming. So both are actually correct. They are not contradictory scriptures. Here's another one for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, this is exactly out of the Bible. I didn't add anything. I just put in yellow number 1, 2, and 3. The first, it says, but there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised from the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And after that, the end will come. I said after that, the end comes. So the first barley goes first. Then after that, the end comes. And then at the end, when Christ returns and his kingdom is handed over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, that's the battle of Armageddon. Then, right at the end, for Christ must reign for a thousand years and he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet and his last enemy that is destroyed will be death itself. Three distinct phases that we are going to be going through. Are you still with me? Let me put these all together on one slide for you. You got it? Barley, wheat and grape. Well, the first thing I need to tell you is the barley is the first fruits. Jesus was the first fruit of those who had died, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty tells us. In Romans six eleven, it says this. If the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, then the branches are holy. Wait, 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 wait. Did you get that? If the root or the vine is holy, then the branches are holy. Who's the branches? I am. Why? Because he is holy. Hello? Come on. He chose to give us birth through the word that we might be the kind of first fruits of all that he created. I want to tell you that you are the first fruit harvest. You are the barley harvest. You are a first fruit. He's coming back first to receive you into his own But how does he harvest us? How does he get us us ready? Remember, barley harvest is also the feast of unleavened bread. There can't be any yeast in it. The Jewish people, they would actually take a feather brush and a dustpan, go around the entire house looking for any crumbs to make sure that there was no leaven whatsoever in the entire house. And this is typically the type of bread that they would have had when they broke bread on the Last Supper. It looks more like a naan bread. And that's why often we use that, Crispy bread to represent no leaven. Now, leaven in the Bible always, 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 always refers to sin. Religious traditions that the Pharisees had, or the little leaven that always works its way through, it was always referred to in the Bible as sin, and I've talked on that before. You can go and look at those notes there. So no leaven equals holiness. But we are holy because we're connected to the vine. We are the branches, we are holy because we're connected to Him. When we listened to that sermon last week about the vine and the branches, what did it say? When the the sap starts flowing, He he corrects us with the washing of His Word. Is that right? You are clean because of the Word. So when we hear the Word, when we start to react to that, we get clean, we get pure. It's getting rid of all the leaven out of us. Every single time the Holy Spirit says, Hey, I don't want you doing that. You say, Done. I'll I'll stop doing that immediately. You're pure, you're clean, you're righteous. You're part of the first. Why? Because you're being obedient, you're allowing yourself to go through the pruning process, the cleaning process, the aerating process. You're connected to the vine, you are not dry. Are you getting this? Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's good. What, what are the attributes of people that are barley people? Well, they are disciples, they're followers, they're not just Christians, they are, they're actively chasing down looking for Jesus. The, the, the word a, a disciple actually means apprentice. That means you're following, you're copying the master. What's he doing? I'll do it. What's he doing? I'll do it. Constantly learning and growing and developing. The barley, I believe, is pre-tribulation. Now, you, I said the word, pre-trib, okay? I said it. Just for those who want to argue with me, I'm not pre-trib. I'm pre-trib, mid-trib, and I'm post-trib. I'm all three. And I'm going to show you that from Scripture. There are three harvests. Pre-trib. What is the tribulation? Well, his wrath, the Bible says in Revelation 6:17, says, For the great day of his wrath will come. Who would be able to stand? But now 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to salvation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10 says, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Oh, the Bible talks about us being the church in the end days. Remember the seven letters written to the church? Do you remember that? Overcomers, can I just give you a couple? I just jotted them down on a piece of paper. To the dead church. Dead, D-E-A-D, dead. Nothing church. But he says, there are a few of you in Revelations chapter 3 verse 3 and 5. These are a few of you. And you have not defiled your garments and you walk with me for they are worthy. You're worthy for the deliverance. Let's go on to the next one. The faithful church, because you have kept my and endured patiently, I will keep you from the hour that is going to come and test the whole world. If you are faithful, you will overcome. He's going to keep you and protect you and take you away. Just remember what happened to Noah. He took him out and hid him in the ark before the destruction, before the wrath of God. Remember, even Lot was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was protected first before the judgment came. You were not appointed to judgment or the wrath of God. The lukewarm church. I know a couple of lukewarm churches. Jesus says himself, I correct and discipline everyone I love. That's, that's exactly what he said in John 15. I correct you now because I love you. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Listen to this. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father. Doesn't Ephesians chapter 2 say we're going to be seated with Him in heavenly places and in the ages to come that He might show His glory for us? You should be saying, woohoo! somebody should be getting excited about now. The next harvest is the wheat harvest. You ready for this? This is the main harvest. You see, the barley was the first fruits. This is the main, this is the mega harvest that's coming. In fact, that scripture, there's a scripture that actually says that in Revelations, I'll just read it to you, 7 verse 9, Revelation 7, 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to even count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. That's how big it is. There's this huge harvest that is coming. But now, wheat has this harder outer shell. And that would represent that there's still sin in their lives. Why? Because it's represented by two loaves. So these two loaves contain leaven in them, yeast. It's permeated through. They are not perfect. They're not totally holy. One representing the Jewish nation and one representing the Gentiles. This harvest, Pentecost celebration harvest, is for both Jew and Gentile. The tribulum is the Latin word from where we get the word. Tribulation. When I say that word, there's such a cringe. You go, Yes, these are hard times coming. You see, the Bible talks about leaven and sin issues in these people and says, Hey, it's going to be the tribulation that's only going to break down that hard outer husk. It's going to purify you. I would like to submit to you that these are Christians that are sleeping. These are carnal Christians. Could these be the. The virgins that had a little bit of oil but needed a bit of a wake up or was this the second group, the foolish virgins or bride, bridesmaids that weren't ready? I'll let you decide. Revelation seven fourteen. Then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. There are people that are going to be on this planet that are going to give their hearts to Jesus and make right with Jesus after their first rapture, during the tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and they have made them white. The implication is they were dirty. They have now made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and they serve Him day and night in His temple. These guys here, the barley, they are the bride of Christ. These guys, they rule and reign with Him and they serve in His temple. I don't want to read too much into this, but I'm telling you what, there is a difference of intimacy with Jesus. They still get to heaven, but they go through the tribulation. Can I give you another scripture? Matthew 24, Jesus speaking. And Jesus' word said this Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and, these, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. Listen to this He will send his angels with the sound of a great trumpet, and they will gather from the elect from the four corners of the earth uh, from heaven as well. Hang on a minute, here we are talking about the bride of Christ, the bride, the groom would never send a representative to go get his bride. I'll tell you one thing, if my son and daughter-in-law were getting married and one of them says, no, go get catch a taxi, they'll bring it across and you will meet over there on honeymoon. What? Not a chance. The bride and the groom had to come together. He, the groom would never ask an angel to go and get his bride. But now we're in celebrating in heaven. During the tribulation we are celebrating a feast, a marriage feast with him. And then the Bible continues, and I'm going to read it to you in a second. And it says, now Jesus returns with 10,000 of his angels, Colossians 2 tells us. He returns with, his angel, with the, the saints, and he re, the angels reap and bring in this bigger harvest, the wheat harvest. Mm. That brings us to the third section, the wrath of God. These represent the tares the and the weeds They are are harvested by pressing the wrath of God, fire, burning. They represent people who are unrepentant, non-believers, backslidden, those who did not believe. They remain, if they died during the tribulation, they remain dead for a thousand years in Hades until the last judgment day. And they never appear in heaven. They go straight from the resurrection when they get resurrected to stand in front of the great judgment seat and they get straight back into the lake of fire. And hell, Hades, death, go into that same Gehenna, lake of fire. Three separate harvests the Bible talks about. I have written a little book, my notes, and I will send them out to you. You need to study these scriptures. It is so clear. I've only given you a fraction of what I've got there. I'd like to read one last passage before we close. This happens to be the end of the book. Revelation chapter 19. And Revelation chapter 19, in one passage, it gives us all three harvests so you cannot doubt or get confused. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. We're talking now about barley people, this group over here. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage feast of the Lamb has come. And His wife has made herself ready, and it was granted to her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean, clean, no leaven, clean, and bright, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. If you carry on reading down the next verse, a couple verses, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a great white horse. Jesus gets on his horse, and he comes thundering out. He now comes down. If you read that, he starts making war with the beasts down there on Elmageddon. And all the nations that joined together to fight against Israel, the revived Roman Empire, he destroys them. I'll leave that with you. Somebody say amen. Somebody's got to hear that. Let me read this middle one to you, verse 20, chapter 20, and verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and there's people sitting on the thrones, and judgment was committed to them. I wonder who was sitting on the thrones. Hang on a minute. Wasn't it the bride of Christ that was seated with him in heavenly places on the thrones? And now we see here sitting on thrones. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God and had not worshipped the beast, nor his image, nor received the mark on their foreheads, on their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Oh, i got some good news for you. Even if people might miss this rapture here, they can still get into heaven with a wheat harvest. It's not over. Then the devil enters into the frame and they... They remained dead for a thousand years. Listen to this. The rest of the dead did not live again till the end of the thousand years were finished. This is the end of the first resurrection. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, whose face the whole earth and heaven fled away from and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead resurrected, small and great, standing before him and the books were open, and another book was opened which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the book. The sea gave up their dead, that were in a death, and Hades were delivered their dead, who were also in them, and they were judged. And then right at the end, it says, "Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone who's not found written in the book of life was cast into the fire." Whew. When could I leave now? I'm not feeling too comfortable. Why not? We're going. This is great shouting time. I'd like to sum up all three points. And I know this is going to offend you, but listen. I want to tell you, it's not good enough to be associated with church. It's not good enough to be associated with a Christian community. You have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you a question. Is there juice in your branch? Is the sap flowing in your branch? Or are you dry, ready to be burned? Is your light shining? Are you using your oil for the kingdom? Are you facilitating the kingdom of God? Are you shining and telling others about Jesus? Or are you asleep, resting in your religious traditions? Oh Wayne, this doesn't sound like grace message to me. This sounds like legalism and law. No, it doesn't my friend. The Bible is clear. You are saved by grace and nothing that you can do can get you that salvation. Absolutely nothing. It's only by the blood of Jesus. That's grace. But Paul does say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. These are holiness that comes. These are sanctification that is required as well. I want to ask you, why do you want to go to heaven? Why? I started asking people in our church, not another church, why? Guess what they came up with? Why do you want to go to heaven? I asked some people, because I want to escape hell. I don't want to go through the tribulation. And one or two holy people said, because I believe. That is not good enough. Even the devils believe. Satan himself believes. He was the one who talked to Jesus. Every single demon in hell knows who Jesus is. They believe. It is not good enough to believe. It's not good enough just to want to escape hell. It's not good enough to escape the revelation. You need to have Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior of your life. Oh, Wayne, what about Andrew and Anna? Andrew... Why do you love me? Because I actually wanted to get away from my mom and dad. I hated living at home. Andrew, why do you want to come and live with me in Bradford? Because I hate Macclesfield. It's a horrible place to live. There's a tribulation going on there. I want to get away from that. But don't you love me? Oh, friend, I want to tell you the only reason why you want to get into heaven is to be with Jesus. Did you know that heaven wasn't even destined for you? It was never created for us. We were created in the garden of Eden with Adam and God wanted to walk with us in the cool of the evening. It's only because of sin that heaven had to be created and and sorted out for us. And just by the way, when God takes care of the plan, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth to be with us again. Heaven wasn't the destination. Jesus is. Do you have a current and up-to-date relationship with Jesus or are you out of date and expired past your usefulness date? Many will say, but Lord, I prophesied and cast out demons in your name. I was praying about this. Jesus says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Do you know what the Holy Spirit told me? And I'm going to add my own words here. I heard this when I was praying about it. Lord, I used to prophesy in your name. I used to, but now I'm dry. Now I've stopped doing this. And Jesus says, depart from me and get cast into this flames. Time is up. Do you have a working relationship? Do you know Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? And I know for us guys, this is hard. I can't understand in my own logical head. How can I be all gushy-mushy with Jesus? I, I battle with that. If you're a girl, maybe you can. But you know what I imagine? I imagine going on great exploits with Jesus. I imagine high-fiving Jesus all the time. Him and me chilling all the time. we talking about stuff. We're doing things together. I see, I've organized with Jesus. When he comes on his white horse, I'm right next to him. Get me, behind me, all you angels. I'm with my man. I'm going to go kick some backside. Man, I tell you, we're talking to each other. We go, there's a relationship there together. Let me go back to my virgin stories. As I've been meditating, I've been dreaming virgins at night. My goodness, I've had to repent of my own dreams. It's consuming me. There is a parable about two ministers... Servants of the Most High, they were ministers. One was a faithful minister and one wasn't. Do you know what the difference between the faithful minister and the second one was? The one was, oh, don't worry. Jesus has been delayed. Now be happy. Just do that community. Just do this. Just do that. Just do. And the other one was actually preaching the word of God. And, oh, I'll tell you what, that minister that wasn't preaching when the master returned and wasn't saying what he was supposed to, he was chopped up in pieces and thrown out into the fire. Minister! A servant of the Most High. I'm preaching the sermon not because I want to, because I have to. I refuse to stand before the judgment throne one day in the house to chicken to tell the people about heaven and hell. I'm sorry if I'm long-winded, I'm shouting. It's time that you got right with Jesus. Those virgins. Jesus said, depart from me because I don't know you. Do you know what it means? I didn't have a relationship with you. That relationship had expired. You are now dry. The guy who had the talents that Gordon spoke about. He didn't have any relationship with the master. Andrew, Pastor Andrew, was actually preaching and he told us a parable. He told us of how a a vineyard man, the the boss, hired a guy at 8 o'clock in the morning, a guy at 12 o'clock and a guy at 5 o'clock. And he paid them all the same salary. And he said, his words were, they didn't pay them the peasants' wages of what a picker would have been a reaper in the harvest field. He paid him the same fee as a generous soldier would have been paid. The servant that hid his Lord's money in the sand and said, I knew you to be a hard man. He was lying. He didn't know he's Jesus. He says, You reap where you didn't sow. He's lying. He didn't know he's Jesus. His relationship had expired with Jesus. Jesus turns to the thief on the cross and says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. What's the subject of that verse? We all get so, oh, paradise, rubbish. I'd like to reread it to you. Today you will be with me. Oh, by the way, we'll be in paradise. It's the relationship with Jesus that's important, not the destination. Wayne, I'm not, I'm bricking it. What if I, I get unsaved? What if I lose it? Are you allowed to say that? Well I just did. <laughs> the Bible says this. John ten twenty eight, I give you give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snap them out of my hand. When you are saved, no one can steal your salvation from you, except you. You're the one. The sower sows the word into four types of ground. Are you the ground where the thorns grow up and choke it? Are you the ground where the cares of this world The cruises of this I mean, the the cares of this world, come up and choke it. I'm joking. I'm trying to make a little bit lighthearted. They bet he, God bless you on your cruise. Let Jesus come while you're away. And just by the way, if he comes, she'll go right wherever she is, because we all go up together. Of course we will. Has the cares of this world got you distracted so that you're so busy building your business, building your empire, building this, building that, that you actually forgot to have a relationship with Jesus? I want to talk to myself. Wayne, have you got so busy doing church, doing ministry, that you forgot to pray with me and talk to me? Wayne, have you so busy trying to find sermons in the Bible that you're not reading it to feed yourself? I had to get on my knees and repent. Wayne, this is a very hard sermon to receive. You know, I've been bereaved and... Somebody in my family died and they didn't know Jesus and I think they went to hell. And I, I'm battling to receive this. I know some really good people. And they and they twin toilets and they do charitable work and they're involved in the community and they do everything. But 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 I'm not sure that they're going to get to heaven. This is a hard sermon for me. Do you know what I do you know what came up? Every time on the newspapers and on TV, when I see someone who was bereaved because of a loved one died of cancer or or some weird disease or new near you remote to that one, and, and whatever. What do they do? They become a champion of that charity, and they drive it. Oh, friend, I'm asking you today, two things. Repent before God. Number two, why don't you champion prayer? Why don't you champion five, five, five? Why don't you champion, say, I'm going to make sure that no one else goes to hell? Freddie over there might have gone, but I tell you what, as far as I'm concerned, no one else will, that knows me. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Why don't you get off your backside and champion it? Why don't you do what Claire told us and be the friend at midnight when a connection comes along your path and at midnight you say, friend, let me give you the bread of salvation. Friend, let me minister healing to you. Friend, let me pray for you for the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads?